Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm Tim, and the reason you're not hearing the music is because we are doing this podcast remotely from our three individual TMO shipping containers around various parts of Greater Manchester and North Wales. So, um, JB, your shipping container in Wales, how's it doing? It's all right. I had to stay in the shipping container because I was painting my boat this weekend. Um, it's, uh, it's light and the boat needs painting. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, that's literally what I've been doing. And Phil, uh, in another part of South Manchester, in your shipping container, hello. Hello, Tim. Now, now, when when we spent hundreds of thousands of pounds commissioning these three uh, high spec audio quality egg chasers branding shipping containers, people thought we were crazy. But we've got <laughs> we've got a lot of use out of these, haven't we? Oh, we really have so much. Uh, and when they're not in use, they're on the the ever given taking goods <laughs> yeah. back and forth around the world. <laughs> I do feel like I've cheated people with with no music. So, but. Because I do my radio show um, from home sometimes, I do actually have a little soundboard with some sounds on. So I, I, I don't know what I just. Oh, do you know what I have got, which might come in handy? Fact. Ooh, <laughs> that's all. That's old school. I've got that one. Podcast nine years ago, we had so many drops. We did. We did, and I've got made um, up for lack of knowledge and access. And I did. I did appreciate this as well. This this appeared on my show the other day, so I just share it. This is Noel Gallagher. Uh, he's asked a question by a school child, and and I and I like how quick and funny his answer is. Have a listen. What's your favorite dinosaur? Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. He's genuinely one of the funniest blokes in public life. Yeah, he's brilliant. Genuinely is. Uh, do you know who else is one of the funniest blokes? I'm just gonna. I don't know why I'm starting with a non-rugby related thing, but I've just fallen down. And again, and I do this every now and again, I've fallen down a limmy wormhole. And I, I love that. I love that man. I don't know who this guy is, except for one video, which was sent to me this week of him doing a, it's like a sketch with some coppers and it was bloody brilliant. Yeah. He's got some good stuff, hasn't he? Scottish comedian, Limmy. Very good. Very good. Uh, so on this podcast, we're going to talk about the, the premiership. We're going to talk about uh, various other rugby stories. The Eddie Jones saga is rumbling on. Um, we've got uh, another saga that is rumbling on that hasn't been resolved yet, which we'll, which we'll talk about. JB's got a little rugby-related uh, film slash documentary review. Documentary as well. review. 
We'll review yeah. No Woman, No Try. So I take it you didn't play any rugby this weekend then, Jay? No, certainly not. We've got two games left and we were meant to play Ormskirk away. But Ormskirk <laughs> happened to have a wedding. Uh, so they cancelled. They couldn't raise a team out of there. Well, they could raise a team out of their twos and threes. But, you know, uh, they didn't feel that it would be good for the morale of their club to face Talk H. I think on balance they might have been right. So they cancelled, which, you know, it is what it is. It's a shame. But I tell you what, there's so many games which have been cancelled this season. The clubs are really struggling just to get back into the swing of it. Here, uh, here's one for you. I'm not going to get too much on the local rugby yet because I'm sure we can do it later. But I'm back in Wales. And because I was back in Wales and I had a free weekend, I tried to find a game. Almost every club that I know of in Wales that I've got contacts in have not got a game. The only one that had a game this weekend was Mould, and that was their first league game since January 9th. I mean, people give the RFU stick for various things, and sometimes they deserve it, but hats off to them. At least the leagues went ahead. North, lads in North Wales, well, particularly in Mould, have not had a league game since January. That is an absolute bit, absolutely abysmal showing. And they, they will find it even harder. In England, some teams, as you've mentioned, have found it hard to get players back after the long period, off the long enforced break. But having not played for such a long period of time, they'll just find it even harder to get players back. Oh, yeah, completely, completely. And it kind of compounds itself, doesn't it? The less games that you play, the less guys come back. You know, They get used to going to IKEA on weekends and whatnot. It's just not good. It's just really not good. The WRU have got a lot to answer for, particularly in rugby in North Wales. Uh, so, yeah, or, by all means, give the RFU a hard time, but you can't. I can't help but think that English rugby has been managed far better post-pandemic than, than Welsh rugby has. Well, on that tip, let's start with a really positive uh, rugby story, actually. I know you said we'll get onto local rugby later but I just I love this so much I want to share it at the start because this is what rugby is all about and it's an email that's coming to contacteggchasers at gmail.com from Tom Taylor and he says afternoon chaps is Tom Taylor uh, not not Tommy Taylor oh right a different Tom Taylor um, mm. he says uh, love the pod blah 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 uh, just wanted to share the great fun had down in Kent 2 yesterday old Graves Indians were playing Whitstable and Whitstable had the chance to top the table in the last game of the season if they won the other team in contention were Dartford Valley. They didn't have a game, so literally sent a coach load of fans and players to support OGs in their efforts <laughs> to see off Whitstable. Awesome. Yeah. In a tense affair, Dartford Valley supporters made a constant racket throughout the game, aided by a lad with a big drum and various Ruvazellas. It ended in a perfect JB score of 7-3, two OGs, <laughs> and the crowd went wild, as can be seen in the video. Uh, all three teams took a moment after the game, to commiserate, congratulate, then enjoy a bit of OG's hospitality. And, Wonderful. Uh, and the, the, there is a video, and this is on the uh, Dartford Valley Rugby Club Facebook page. It's, it's worth a look. They literally sent a busload of people to go and watch a, a Kent 2 match that they weren't involved in, but could. This, this is on the, on the touchline. It's... Uh, Looks an absolute riot, and it's what rugby sounds like. It's pro de deux. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it was very much like that. There was a whole, there's a massive racket and a whole heap of people, and it looked like a hoot. So I loved, well, I loved it. Whilst you're on it, your boys Marlow did, did all right, Tim. <laughs> Stop trying to make me and Marlow a thing. You're a massive. You, you've, been, you've been on record how much you love Marlow. Um, 
They only went and beat Reading this weekend. Did they now? They beat Reading second in the table. Big wow. result. Came out of nowhere. Well, the big game in the northwest of England this weekend was today, and it was a, a Lancashire Cup top of the pool unbeaten matchup between Rafi Quirks, Broughton Park under 14s, and Filed under 14s. And oh. it, it, it finished uh, 31 to Filed, 27 to Broughton Park. But an epic, Ooh, ep, an epic game. match. Very good game. Yeah, Filed are always a good club. I remember very, very, a few ding dong battles with them when I was uh, in the age grades. Yeah, the battle for the ages. Uh, as for, uh, well, how much rugby did you watch this weekend? I've seen three games. Oh, yeah, okay. all the highlights, uh, including uh, Leinster, Munster and Bulls Ulster, which I wish I hadn't watched. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the three games, although I, I, I was a bit patchy on Friday nights, but the, the Saturday-Sunday games were two entertaining affairs. Yeah. Yeah, and, weren't they just? I mean, some people have now pretty much, you think, ruled themselves out of top four. And it, it, it that, that race is kind of slimming down. One horse is falling at the fence every round, pretty much, aren't they? Yeah, but then every time a horse falls, a couple more horses gain ground. It's not quite so straightforward to me. I mean, Gloucester somehow managed to lose, amazingly. Uh, obviously, Sale lost. Northampton seems to, be, seems to be back in it again now. And then Exeter win as well. So I don't think the top four picture is much clearer, other than I think Sale might have blown it. Sale and Irish, perhaps. Oh, blown it now. Sale and Irish are, are gone, but like you say, Northampton are having a, a late surge. Not, yeah, Northampton a surge. I agree. Sale and Irish have probably blown it um, beyond some miracle results. Gloucester are interesting though because they're in seventh. They they are seven points behind Exeter Chiefs, but they have got two games in hand. So it, it it's not. It is still within their gift. If they win those two games in hand, bonus point wins, it's still within their control. But losing at home to Wasps will be frustrating for Gloucester fans because that should have been a four or five point win the way that they've been going this season. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can effectively put Gloucester, who are currently on 19 games, 55 points, you can put them on 20 games and either 59 or 60 points, which would still put them, like you say, a game in hand and two points behind Exeter. So it's yeah. theirs It's theirs to lose still. Yeah, it I, is. Last week, I can't remember what I said. This week, I feel Exeter are going to do it. I just feel that they are the more <clears throat> battle-hardened team. I think this is... It's almost like knockout rugby for them now. They, they know they need to win every game. I'm not sure they're going to do very well in the playoffs, but they know they need to win every game, basically. They do. They do. Exeter have to win every game. And, and this week... It's interesting because you watch that first half and you think Exeter are going to fluff their lines. Bath were going to win this. Bath scored three tries in the first half, two good fucking a finger tries, and Exeter were struggling. And then a uh, couple of moments of magic from Patrick uh, Schickling, who I don't know if you saw the Stuart Hogg crossfield kick for Schickling bursting down the left wing. It was a absolute. It was a thing of beauty. It's a moment well, of magic. Once Mr. Schickling learns to scrimmage properly, and he seems to have got over his early stutters when it comes to scrimmaging, he's going to be a hell of a player. He is enormous. And and he can he can motor. Yeah. I could not believe how fast he was going down the ring. And the, the best thing about that break, so Stuart Hogg break down the middle, if you've not seen it, he then finds himself isolated, and he's looking around for options. There's no one. 
but immediately signaling for the crossfield kick is shickling going full <laughs> pell signal hands in the air put it in the corner i've got this and he, he got that. it was so disappointing that he got stopped just before the line it's a great little moment though uh, the massive Tom Hendricks and tiny e, um, Ian, uh, Ian Whitten in senses again. Yeah, just that, that contrast. You've got you've got to hand it to Exeter. You you've got to have something serious about you to with what twenty just over twenty minutes to go be uh, be down points. What and they were twenty two seven down at one point. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it's a combination, obviously. Exeter have great mental strength. They also they've shown over a long period of time that they do have good fitness. Um, and Bath, if if we say the opposite of those two things are true of Bath, it's not really. Although they, <laughs> doing were, them a what, were they three games unbeaten or three uh, three wins in a row mm. Bath. coming into it, they were coming Bath. into it. Yeah, no, yeah, Is that right, yeah, really, yeah. I'm, uh, if you def- count, I think if you count Premiership Cup, ah, that's probably <laughs> going wrong. No, I, I think no. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you just rem- you just reminded me as you were talking as well of a tweet we got earlier this week at Rugby Podcast. Um, Sam Coburn, uh, who uh, tweeted us with a and, and he's posted a a little screenshot of uh, an account called Very British Problems, and it said, "What does Phil mean when he says quote interesting?" And then meanings of interesting: one, interesting; two, remarkably boring; three, suspicious; four, curious; five, this food tastes strange; six. I'm afraid I'm not listening. Seven, you've lost me. Eight, you're wrong, but okay. And nine, I don't care. <laughs> yes, it's going to be a lot of those. I, I do at various different times mean all of those things. <laughs> Sometimes exactly. simultaneously. <laughs> uh, just in terms of, um, I can't remember what, what put me onto it. Uh, but I was going to say, um, oh yeah, uh, there is quite an interesting storm potential storm brewing at the moment so we still haven't at the time of recording this podcast we still haven't had any resolution from Worcester not fulfilling the fixture against Gloucester in the premiership last weekend okay Gloucester Worcester which was supposed to be the Friday night game last weekend yeah so Worcester didn't fulfill a premiership fixture last weekend Usually, yep. if that's COVID on the Tuesday, there would be a, the Premier Rugby, Premier League Rugby would award points as they have done through the COVID period, usually four points, two points uh, on the Tuesday following that cancelled game. That didn't happen. They passed it on, still haven't done it now. And so far as I can tell from what I'm hearing, it's because there is a conflict in terms of what one group is saying and what another group is saying and potentially what the facts on the ground actually are. What do we think the groups are saying? So Worcester is saying they told Gloucester on the Thursday. Yeah. And... So this is what I understand. I understand they were told two o'clock, Premiership Rugby were told two o'clock on, on Thursday. Yeah. They also said that they tried to get props from other Premiership clubs. I don't know if they said Championship clubs. But no, I think they did. I think they looked at premiership clubs and championship clubs, but I think championship clubs with premiership experience. And and Worcester also said that, or the Worcester's official statement on the Friday was that a prop failed a fitness test on Friday, and that was the reason for the cancellation. Steve Diamond came yeah. out and gave quite a punchy, long video on Worcester's account, which 
I think slightly contradicted the reason that they gave for cancelling the game. He said it was illness on the Thursday night and more illness on the Friday morning, not a fitness test failed on the Friday, which the statement said. And now Gloucester have come out and said they didn't tell us on the Friday and they seem to be suggesting that there's other facts on the ground which don't match up, which um, have been passed along. So I assume the fitness test was COVID-related. If it's COVID-related, then they will have to have official... There'll be paperwork that will verify all of that testing. I just get the I, I get the impression from just piecing various bits together that, well, certainly in terms of what's been said publicly, one or other camp is not telling the truth. Well, knowingly or unknowingly, they're not, telling, they're not saying it how it is. Look, I, I don't know any more than what I've been told. Yeah, no, you are, you are right. The fitness test was for a player who wasn't inflicted with COVID, but then he does his fitness test and couldn't pass it. And then, yeah, Darren says as well, doesn't he, that the, it's not his call, it's the doctor's call. Here's one thing I do know, and I know this 100%. Um, Dimes will have crossed his T's and dotted his I's. Like, you might think that you can get him on something or that Worcester does it wrong, but I guarantee... Whatever the law says, he will have followed that. What I thought uh, was what I thought was interesting was that on the Wednesday night, they had four players from Hartbury in their squad. Hartbury, who hadn't had a game mm. three, four days prior when they cancelled the game, and th- I mean it, this almost seems like trolling. Worcester had one, two, three. They had five props in their matchday squad on the Wednesday night. <laughs> so it it doesn't. The facts, I'm sure, will come out, or a version of the truth from both sides will come out. It's not a great look when you can't fulfil a fixture on the weekend, and then you can fulfil two fixtures the following week. One just four days afterwards. I just don't see what the advantage is. That's why I tend to believe. Well, again, uh, well, well, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. If, if you had to pick one fixture. One doesn't matter because there's no relegation and one could get you to a knockout semi-final with a chance of winning a trophy. Anyway, let, let's not let's not go down that rabbit hole. All I'm saying is that the, the two camps are saying different things and it hasn't been resolved still. Mm. I mean, why is it not a PR, PRL matter? Yeah, I'm looking at the PRL statement at the moment and they, it's, they said, this was on Tuesday, they can confirm that they have asked Sports Resolution UK to form an independent panel to adjudicate the, the game um, not being played. Basically, uh, uh, this is their job. Well, this is their job, surely. But it, it, something is going on, so, and it's it's not something's going on, not from the Gloucester side. Some some dispute is occurring around the availability of players and replacements from the Worcester side, because we've got we've got quite clear process and protocols of four points, two points that have been set up over the last two years that you would expect this game to fall into unless Worcester contested that. Therefore, you can assume that Worcester are contesting that assumption. Or, or Gloucester yeah. are contesting it, because if it was a COVID cancellation, Gloucester don't get any financial compensation for the okay. season, t- the season yeah. ticket holders that they've had to reimburse. And I, as I say, I think they have about 9,000. And if you say, let's just pluck a figure out of the air, which might be inaccurate, 20 quid. If they've had to give every season ticket holder 20 pounds back, that on its own, before you get into... Um, concession stalls, staff members mm, that might have had to... Be, that's 180 grand right there. We could yeah. be talking several hundred thousand pounds, which Gloucester oh, are well, out of pocket. Hey, and they may well be contesting it, saying, no, 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 Worcester, you're paying that. Yeah, and do you know what? Uh, you know, let's, I don't know what Gloucester's figures are like. No idea. I have been to Hickington, and it's ace. But if this, if this was Exeter, 
Exeter allegedly do £1 million worth of trade every single home game. Mm. So, you know, we're not talking about trivial amounts of money here. Uh, you know, a home game is a big deal. And you've yeah. been to King's Own when all the pubs nearby and all the fish and chip shops yeah. and stuff, they'll rely yeah, on yeah, it. There's, there's all sorts of secondary businesses that rely on the on these games going ahead. So uh, I mm, guess what? my biggest problem with this is like Premiership rugby should sort it out. I mean, this is this is exactly the reason <clears throat> the body exists. The body's not independent though, is it? No. Because the body is neither, governed yeah, by neither, the clubs. But neither is, you know, the uh the commissioner of the NFL. And they don't seem to need to go to Sports UK to sort out things they just sort them out there should be there should be power within prl to do this kind of thing well that i guess that's a separate discussion <laughs> but yeah. if not that's not the position we're in at the moment but enough, i'm assuming it? that it's going to be resolved this week all i'm saying is it, it could just blow over without uh, any issue but this could be a, this could be some a little firework that's just about to go off mm. yeah uh, i am um, if you look at dimes's record with brushes, brushes with the rugby law. Uh, the only time he really gets caught out in my mind is when he, when he loses, when he gets very emotional post post game and he says things which you shouldn't say. Other than that, he's a very very astute character when it comes it comes to this. I'd be amazed if what he has done, if he has done it, uh, if he is responsible in any way, uh, contravenes any, any rules. And I suspect that is why Gloucester are getting so angry. But Worcester this week, I don't know if either of you saw any of the Worcester performance. Abject. No, but... Yeah, Abject is being kind to, to Worcester, to be honest. The Newcastle so, team, that's not going well, absolutely hammered them, rolled them so over. So Worcester were meant to have their week off this week. Uh, it's been cancelled. So all the players are back in on Monday. Um, I they, they had it off last week. <laughs> yeah, true. So I, I spoke to um, a, a fan, a, a couple of fans from, from from Worcester, who described it as the worst performance I've seen in a, in a couple of years. Now I think, ironically, this is where you get your money from Steve Diamond, though, because he will not put up with that. And I think a lot of pro rugby players will get away with poor performances, particularly with a new coach, because the new coach will be trying to sort of. Uh, curry favour or you know get on the right side of the lads uh, I don't have you ever been to Carrington after a sale loss back in the day I must have done I, I haven't it's terrifying it's legitimately terrifying like the, the mood is dark like you want they want to win or they wanted to, to win back in the day so much just to avoid that avoid avoid that, that, that mood and I think this is where Steve Diamond is absolutely brilliant um, they will find out very quickly as professionals that this is not acceptable and it's going to be a very, very harsh learning curve for, curve for them. And that is why he can get such good results from what people think of as poor, poor squads. And I'd say that this Worcester squad is actually better than a lot of the sale teams that he had back in the day. So they're going to get a very, very harsh, rude awakening. Well, that was a record premiership defeat against uh, Newcastle side that haven't won in 11 games. Mm. Now, now sticking, with, sticking with Worcester for a little bit... Um, I think they've signed two players. Has this been confirmed? Yeah, Cam Neild and Curtis Langdon from Sale Sharks. Now, I didn't hear that bit. I heard that Sale Sharks said Cam Neild and Curtis Langdon were leaving, but I no, didn't they, see the other part. Yeah, they have announced them signing. Good signings. Really, really good signings. Langdon in particular is excellent. If Cam Neild can stay fit, they'll like him too. A bit budget, 
but they'll they'll be fine. I don't know for the life of me why I say I would like would let Langdon go. Um, I get why they'd let Cam Neal go. Uh, he's very good, but too injury prone and also too limited in you know, what he offers around the field and what he offers as uh, a rugby player. But the thing he does do when he's fit, he's very, very good at. Very good at. I guess I we shouldn't we shouldn't depart from. Oh, sorry, go on, Phil. I'm just going to say, Jay. I hope you're right on the. Um on the turnaround that Steve Diamond can invoke in that Worcester squad, because that was a terrible performance. And I, I like this Worcester team. I think they've got some really talented players. They've got a good mix of um, some kind of local talent and some um, mm. talented foreign stars as well. And they should be performing better than that. And I hope I hope you're right that Diamond can get more out of the team than that. Yeah. But, but flip, flip side, Newcastle played great. Newcastle could only beat what was in front of them and they beat them handily and they, they looked good doing it as well. That number eight, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, was... Chick. Not Callum Chick. No, not Callum Chick. The... Carl Ferns? Oh, um... <laughs> not, not Carl Lockwood. Lockwood. He looked great. Good calorie. Big, big strong boy, BSB. Um, looked really good. Looks like he needs a bit more conditioning work. But Hold he on, he's the, is he the loose head prop Lockwood? Uh, Sam Lockwood? Don't know. I'm just looking him up. Freddie Lockwood. Oh no, maybe it's brother of. It, it may well be. Mm. So he's he's 21, only just turned 21. 6'2", 6'3", 113 kilos. Although he, he's definitely heavier than that, looking at him. He was good. Wow, that is a big boy. BSB. Yeah, he looked, he looked great. Uh, well, uh, just on, on the midweek uh, Premiership Rugby Cup game, I have to mention uh, the, the BSB that was uh, Jack Bartlett, who uh, was, was player of the match, came on after like 15 minutes for um, uh, Jack Clement at number eight. I think he wasn't even meant to be in Gloucester's matchday squad and due to an injury, got himself on the bench. Then due to an injury, he was on the field for 60 minutes, 65 minutes. Player of the match, comfortably, BSB. Tell you what, without yeah. doubt, without doubt, and this is why I really hate the Worcester situation, my favourite stories in rugby are those, sort, are those sorts of stories. Like, nobody knows this kid. He was playing, I don't know, a bunch of dentists and doctors uh, a few a few weeks ago, or students, or whatever the hell he was doing, but it wasn't Premiership rugby. Then you get the bench, and then someone goes down, and then you're starting, and then you do well, and then you're in the and then you're in the team next week, and so on and so forth. And you see the career building. Absolutely love it. Absolutely mm. love it. Yeah, it's great to get those opportunities. Uh, Jay George, who's emailed us, contact headchasers at gmail.com, will love all the Worcester content that we've had so far. Uh, he is a uh, Worcester fan, listens weekly from Germany. And um, yeah. and was has mentioned all of the signings that you've you've talked about um, the, the two sale guys coming in and uh, is hoping for the diamond revolu- revolution. We will see. What what because we sort of touched on um, the, the, some sale lads there. How physical was Friday night? It was brutal. I know, but uh, it's hard to get excited about this. Um, I just feel that we're seeing the same sale, sale, the same sale team that we did two years ago. They win the games they 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 should do. They lose the games that they that they're expected to, or should I say, the bigger games. 
You know, a few years ago, it was against Exeter, two games in a row. This year, it's been against Saracens. I just don't think that they've progressed. That would be my main issue with it. And it's interesting they've not progressed because you've got two coaches in completely different styles and they've just not moved forward. I think there are reasonable circumstances as to why they've not moved forward. I think there's a small transition going on within the club, but you can't say that they're any better than they were two years ago. You, you, you just can't. I think they're, you know, yeah, they're almost exactly the same. And th- this is an arm wrestle game that you, mm-hmm. you're right. A couple of years ago, they would have been losing it and they lost it this time around and they lost it because Saracens took a couple of their chances um, and Sale didn't take their chances and Sale didn't really create many chances either. No, they didn't. Like it's, there was, what is disappointing, I guess, is the big players play exactly as you expect them to. So you get the big carries from Dupree's, but we had that two years ago. Like, so what is different about this team to what it was, I don't know, two years ago is the, you know, have they got better attacking structures? Have they got better processes? Is the lineup better? What is better now than it was previously? And I can't tell you. They've, they've, they've got players of high quality. They put those players on, on, on the field. And if they don't win because they're better man for man or they are physical team, they don't win. I'd say the one thing that's gone backwards at sale, and it was starting to happen under Diamond, and it's, and it's continued to be uh, an issue, is do you remember when we used to talk about how devastating they were in attack. They, they managed to get to the outside and, and create yeah. overlaps all the time. They, they just aren't creating those opportunities and they haven't done all season. Uh, they, well, they haven't for about, you're right, they haven't for about five years, have they really? Uh, there was a time when I think Sale had to play in that way because they didn't have the firepower up front. They were almost forced to outplay teams in order to get any success. And as they've got the, this bigger, stronger pack, they've lent on it I think that is at the expense of more more expansive rugby. And I don't think do five both. years. I'm not. I'm not sure. Five years. I think two years ago they were pretty devastating in attack. Yeah, two, well, two I, years ago, AJ and Faf were looking awesome and creating stuff outside them. That is true. Yeah, that is true. I always think of um, the sort of shapes and patterns that they played when Deacon first arrived. Uh, you know, they were relying very heavily on what De- uh, on what Deacon did. But then you know, you're talking about the days of Mike Haley there. I mean, that's how far back I'm back, back that I'm thinking. And as I've got more more abrasive as a team, I mean, they do play nice rugby when they're on the front foot. But if you take that away from them, you know, all of a sudden they start to struggle. And I think that's exactly what we saw, mm. which is um, a shame. Now, just to put this into context, I think there are some reasonable excuses. I, although they've stayed, broadly speaking, the same standard of team. You've got contextualised that in that Samson has taken over. He has now got to manage a salary cap and transition from the diamond uh, style team into what he wants. So to keep that sort of steady, you could kind of argue is almost like progress. They're going to have to work out what they're going to do with all the South Africans because a lot of them need to go. Uh, Lu- uh, uh, Lude and Faf are going to be announced as leaving in the next 72 hours, apparently according to the rugby paper. And that would, okay. tally, that would tally up with the rumours. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise. I mean, I've been talking about that, the potential for that to happen for a long time. And Van time. Rensburg. Who, by the yeah. way, um, who, by the way, when we were talking about uh, Janzi Van Rensburg, Rowan Janzi Van Rensburg as a potential England centre, the, the new residency laws only uh, work for, that's in changing back to a nationality, or changing to a nationality, only work if by 
parentage or grandparentage? Good. Not residency. So <laughs> yeah. that, that yeah. isn't okay. an option. Right. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he'll go. So you know, they've got, they're trying to move from one set of players to the next. And you know, I guess from that point of view, to stay in the top four race and move from a World Cup winner to a kid at Scrum Half, for instance, is actually quite, you know, quite a success. Obviously, they're they're blooding the two new wingers who at the start of the season look like they don't have a clue. Well, they've got and a flatty coming in anyway. Yeah, they've got mm. a flatty coming in. But you know, you look at the if you look at the improvement in Aaron Reed, uh, I did not think I honestly did not think it think he'd make it as a professional rugby player. Certainly not at Sale Sharks at the start of the season. I thought this this kid's just not he's fast, but, but isn't pre, isn't Premiership standard. I don't think that anymore. I think uh, Roebuck's the real deal. So there are some good things happening. Oh, I said the other one, and I can't really give much credit to Sale for this because they had him basically out, out the door not so long ago. But how good is Ewan Ashman at the moment? Mm-hmm. He does look very I mean, good. Ewan Ashman is a is looking superb, but that happens to be because of injury, and that uh, um, that he, uh, um, then then they bought him back from his one day loan at Edinburgh. Do you know what? I, I, do you know what I'm going to call it? I'm going to call it that uh, Sale don't deserve any more chat on this on this episode of the podcast because they're out of the race now. They've got nothing to play for for the season uh, in in the Premiership at least. So we shouldn't we shouldn't labour the chat on Sale right now. I, th- yeah, I, 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 I was going to say I think there's two moments from this game that are worthy of chat. They're, they're not really Sale moments. They're Saracens moments, and it's the two decisions that went in Saracen's favour, let's put it that way. Yes. With one being the uh, Max Malin's pass for the second Ben Earl try, which, uh, my view, that is a forward pass. Agreed. Agreed. He he releases the ball before, was it the 22? Before the line. It goes, it bounces over the 22. Release it a metre one side, it bounces a metre the other side. That is a forward pass. Yeah. Um, even yeah. even accounting for the momentum and yes, yeah. even accounting for the momentum. He's not moving, he's not moving that fast. <laughs> and the ball hardly traveled anywhere. It only went a few meters because it was a terrible pass. So yeah, that so, that try should have been disallowed. Although um Luke J Luke James, yeah, Luke James playing 15 was lucky that Ben Earl scored it because if Ben Earl drops that ball. He's getting a red card and it's a penalty try. I thought that it's, it's not a, a no tackle, arm, is it? It's a no arm tackle and there's contact with the chest and or head neck area at the same but time. I could blame Ben Earl for it in a way. Why? Because if you watch the way Ben Earl, the watch, watch how the contact is instigated. Usually, a tackle like that is quite a malicious thing, instigated by the defender. But this contact comes off exactly as Ben Earl wanted and expected it to. So he's got the ball. He's like, okay, I'm going to now run over one of the James Brook brothers. Uh, steps off his foot and just plows into them. And the reason the tackle was so bad is because Ben Earl's decided to plow into this guy when he's upright. I think if Ben Earl decided to go around the edge of him, there would be no tackle. There was no interest in making that tackle. Ben Earl yeah. can go around him. He's not going to get the tackle. And um, Sam was going to st- uh, stand, stand straight up. Or he's going to run into him and Sam is going to stand straight up. He did not want to make the tackle. And that's why it was such a horrendous tackle. Two Bell, questions. Two, two questions. Well, One, uh, I, I think I, I did think this after seeing Saracens at the Tottenham Stadium last weekend. Um, but it occurred to me again on Friday night. Ben Earl, is Ben Earl the ultimate rugby crossfit crossfitter? He'd be the best. He He's a potential CrossFit Games champion, Ben Earl. Yeah, you know, um, him or Sam Simmons, right? I think Ben Earl, his engine is unreal and he is, is just unreal. 
bull, and he's so he's so explosive. So is Sam Simmons. I think they're the same person. They, they are. They're so similar the way that they play. Yeah, I reckon yeah. Ben Earl's got the, uh, got more of an engine than Sam Simmons. That's not to degrade Sam Simmons. He's a very fit guy, but I think Ben Earl yeah, could we, just I mean, he, he'd get a, his bleep test score would be off the scale as well as being all the other things. I don't think I don't. I'm not saying you're saying you're wrong, Tim. But to find out if Ben Earl was fitter than Sam Simmons, we'd be waiting a bloody long time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. A long time. Six hundred and eighty springs into it. And the other thing is, let's say for argument's sake, um, Ben Earl, they they were checking whether Ben Earl had, had grounded it because the the illegal hit from Luke James had dislodged the ball somewhat. Let's say they were checking that. What would the decision have been if the grounding hadn't happened? Would you go red card penalty strike, or would uh, and if they'd also looked at the forward pass at the same time? How would you could you, can, could you give a red card for something and not give a try? Because of an earlier forward pass, I I think that's what would probably happen if they looked if they looked at the um, the pass as well. That's a great question. That is a great question, isn't it? So the forward pass, well, that is forward. So as far as I'm concerned, everything else after that doesn't well, count unless it's serious foul play. Yes. So you can't score a try after that, but you can get a red card after that. Yes, yeah, so red card scrum sale. Oh, what a mess! <laughs> um, so let's um, just talk about that. I was going to say the other in, the other incident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, Vincent Cock, Alad Davis, three way no arm tackle on Fafta Clerk. What was your views on that? Uh, well, I just firstly, I knew what would be going on on Twitter. So just as like rubbernecking, <laughs> rubbernecking at an accident, driving past on the other carriage on the motorway, I did just go on and just look and like, oh yeah, that's that's what happens when an incident like this happens. Oh, look at Twitter doing what Twitter does. So I just had a look at it from afar, didn't contribute. But if I had been contributing, I'm not as angry as many people were. Um because I do have a little bit of empathy for the fact that it's quite hard to get out of the way. Um, but I can understand why people were upset that it was penalty only as well. I'm I'm fine with it being penalty only. I, I, I kind of am. Because uh, if, if you're running full pelt across the pitch, what, 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 what else yeah. could he have done? Well, well so I, I actually think that neither Vincent Cock nor Alan Davis is actually going to collide until the two of those collide. Neither one of the Saracens players is going to collide with Faf until the two of them both collide together. And that's what forces them to, um, Ala Davis is the one who makes the main contact with Faf. So for me, it is just a rugby incident. They're both trying to avoid him and, and unfortunately clatter him. That, that's, that's my take on How the dare you say that, Phil? You, you just don't care about player welfare. I mean, Alan Davis, it's his back that hits Faf. It's not like he's going in with a chicken wing or a shoulder. It's, it's his back. He's, he's trying to get out of the way, but he runs into Vincent Cock. And, and, and that's the coaching point. The as, I said to the, as I said to the under-14s this morning, right, coaching point, lads, when you're tackling, just jump into someone, but turn your back, and then you're <laughs> fair game. How, how do you coach the legal high tackle to your, to your lads, Tim? Um, oh, <laughs> relentlessly. It takes a lot of practice to to get it to get it right. And do you also teach defensive high tackling too? So you get you you basically get another lad to high tackle one of your players, and then you train him to hold his head and then wave. Yeah, and then what's really important is training them, and we do a lot of work on the 
the making it look like your neck has snapped back. Yeah, really, really. And then obviously falling straight to the floor as quick, quick as possible. That's a real pro tip, that. a real pro tip. And hold, <laughs> and hold your head. But then if you want to get, really get to the next level, you need support plates. So then all the other players got to run towards the ref, waving the imaginary card. Yeah. Or have you been, have you been like watching our drills on a Wednesday night, Jay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lads, this is a no ball, a no ball session. No balls will be needed. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as a as a neutral JB, what, did you agree with Phil? And I'm I'm broadly with Phil, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, rugby incident. I mean, just you know, it's fine. It's it's fine. Um, I mean, it's not fine. I mean, it's not consistent. But I, I'd rather the game be going in this direction than you know way that that, that we've had it recently. Good. Well, I mean, uh, again, Twitter would disagree, but Twitter's Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't tweeted for like two weeks now. How did you feel? Do you know? I've been so creative. I've been so creative. Um, it, it, it's bizarre. I've been incredibly productive in work. Uh, yeah, it's good. I, I'm much, much less connected to rugby. But that's Twitter rugby. It's not the same thing. I did dive in a little bit today. Someone sent me a tweet and... Uh, I think we might have to discuss it later, actually, when we do our No Woman, No Try review. But it really riled me, really riled me. I thought, I don't need to do this. Do you know, this is a serious point, a really serious point. Rugby would be a better sport if the first thing the new CEO of Premiership Rugby did was tell all the clubs to come off Twitter. Come off it. It'd just be better because it's not real life. That's not who their fans are. Their fans are not on rugby. Sorry, not on rugby. I'm not on Twitter. They're just not there. They're people like my dad and you know, people who just do, do not care. In fact, the majority of people my age are not on Twitter who love rugby. So it's just not a, it's not a thing they should, they, they, they should be pondering to. Agreed. No disagreement here. Now, <laughs> as a neutral, let's just talk about Saracens a bit because we've said they were good and whatnot. But I think this has shown a real maturity to what they do. They were so street smart. And I think that I mean, they're definitely a softer team to the one that last played in the Premiership because they're missing so many players. But the experience is there, the street smarts is there. And when Sale were on top, and they were on top big time for the first half, in, in the first half, there was no sign of panic. Right? They could handle everything. And they also have an incredible wind-up factor. Uh, Otoji, yeah, we all know that. Uh, Sam Tompkins was operating on a different level of Nick, uh, being a Nick Tompkins. Nick Tompkins. Sorry, Nick Tompkins, yeah. Close enough. Yes, they will say one. He he was he was pretty niggly and on a yeah, few occasions. Well, yeah, he's the reason that Sale lost down or won off. <clears throat> reasons that he lost at the Stone X or Stonehenge or whatever it's called stadium now, uh, because he got Byron sent off by yeah. Byron. I forgot about mild that. Mannered, yeah, mild mannered choir boy Byron doesn't do things like that. But anyone, anyone that stood in for Phil on this podcast can do no wrong, and Byron never does. Byron can't do any wrong. Absolutely, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, what are the games? So the, there's the Saturday game and the Sunday game. They were pretty entertaining. Well, come on, come on. We need to talk about Bristol because what a car crash! <laughs> Their whole week has been a car crash. Have you heard about the salary cap? the supposed salary cap nightmare that they're about to incur. Uh, no. Yeah, they're looking to try and offload semi is the latest. 
Oh, <laughs> oh the irony. Uh, as they should, by the way. Uh, I've been saying this for a long time now. Maybe the most overrated player in the Premiership for the price that he pay uh, for the price that they pay. He's got to go. I mean, he's just not worth the money. He's not worth. I, I don't think he's been fit all season. Uh, I just don't. Uh, maybe. But he got a card this week. He had a turnover. He has so many turnovers, so many mistakes. I, I'm not even sure he's the best 13 in the league. And for the money, he should be comfortably the best 13 in, in the league. In fact, I think most teams have a better 13 than he does. I mean, I think Gloucester do. I think Exeter do. I think uh, if, do. if fit and, and, and firing, I, I couldn't disagree more that I think he's the best 13 in the world. But I well, think... You think- you can't seriously think that. I mean, I think Curtis Rona in the Premiership is better than him this year. I think. Oh, this year, like, yes. But what, what I'm saying to you is, I think he's been carrying injuries and hasn't trained properly all year. Has has he been the best thirteen at any time during his the best thirteen in the Premiership at any time in his stint in Bristol? Probably his, his first season. Yeah, his or, first or last season. season when they, when they got to the playoffs when they finished top of the league, he, he was amazing. When, and when they when when they won the European Cup, the uh, whatever it's called, the, uh, the, 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 the Challenge Cup, Cup. yeah, uh, he, yeah. He, he was. They were all playing well then. He you was know, incredible all, then. Um, I think he has amazing moments. I think he probably has some of the best moments in world rugby. But that isn't that isn't rugby. Rugby is an eighty-minute game. You've got to be consistent throughout it. And I think that's what they've done. They've, they've bought a guy based based on his highlights. And I would have. Half the inside, half the outside centres in the league that start over him. Simple as that. I don't disagree uh, with that on a salary cap perspective, but um, a, a fit oh, yeah, semi, a fit, a fit semi, I start him every time. Yeah, and I think I, I think, I think, I think every is. club team in the world would. would and do and or, I, I think fit when he was playing his best rugby um, two three years ago, he he was. I'd probably agree with him. He's pretty much the best thirteen in the world. I don't that, know that's, where is this coming from because it's not coming from, from his Bristol performances. So the, the, two, two, the two seasons that I've just mentioned where Bristol got to the final, well, won European Cup and got to the and finished, final of the and league. And finished top of the table. Finished top of the league. And also, if you watch his, some of his performances for Fiji and in the uh, 2019 World Cup, he's outrageous. He does, yeah. things that, does things that other players just cannot do. I don't disagree on that. I don't disagree he can do extraordinary things. But rugby's about now, isn't it? And that's the art of the salary cap. Well, yeah, and, and, and the now and the salary cap, the issue is they've got promising players like Antoine Frisch who they, they might end up losing because they, they can't offer him a, a deal to keep him. <laughs> but, but he'll be on... Why? And he'll be on one-tenth of what semi's on. Yeah. 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 Uh, and almost as good. Um, do you know why they're in this situation? Uh, bad decision-making? Um, well, allegedly... As I understand it, they missed a date when all the extensions automatically kick in. So they've got a date where if they don't say they don't want a player, the extent so if you've got on a two plus one, that plus one kicks in after a date. So they've got to say, look, we don't want you, or they automatically pick it up. And they picked up a load of deals which they don't necessarily want. So now they've got to trim the salary cap from other players. Uh disaster, you might say. Which is so that- you know, so stupid because Pat Lamb, um, I'm starting to think of Pat Lamb now. Maybe he should spend more time uh, focusing on rugby and less time focusing on love. But he actually did an interview where he said the salary cap is easy to work to if you have good systems and processes. 
I don't think putting a date in the diary of when all your all of your contracts extend automatically is really beyond the wit of man. I, I, I think that I think that'd be. I mean, how how serious would you consider that factor, Phil, if you were managing, managing a salary cap? Well, I, I wouldn't want a contract that automatically rolls over. I would I would want it opt in rather than opt out. So the, the status quo is <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it expires unless I push the button for it to opt to continue. Wait a second. Are you sure you want that? Um, yes, because I'm going to have the date in my diary. But yeah, I'd, I'd prefer no, that. No, no, no. Let, let, let's say for some reason it's beyond you. I mean, I, obviously you manage multi-million pound projects and whatnot, but it's beyond you to put a single date in a paper diary which says you need to make some big decisions now or your team's wrecked. Um, would you rather lose five first-team players or keep five first-team players? Depends who they are. No, no, I'm just the average players. Just, just say Mr. Ravage. Let, let, let's pick Mr. Ravage. Five Pierce O'Connors, would you rather keep them or lose them? Pierce O'Connor, so he's a bad example because he's cheap. So he's, <laughs> not the, he, he's cheap but very good. He's not the average <laughs> Bristol player. No, no, that is the average Bristol player. The average uh, Bristol player is very cheap and very good. And then you've got five extortionately expensive players. I'd go for like uh, an Ed Holmes and a... Yes, like an, an Ed Holmes. Like your, your fourth yeah. choice. Hmm. Your fourth choice so, in a position. So, so like, guys, guys who are very cheap like that, <laughs> yes, I, I, I'd want to keep. But, you, but if I've got 30 of them, or I've got 40 of them, Losing five of them is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what do you think happened? Do you think the diary just stuck together? Do you think he just turned it over and he missed a week? <laughs> who I, who I knows? I can't imagine how this happens. Well, yeah, and you'd think there'd be some infrastructure and organisation that would uh, prevent that from happening, if indeed that is what happened. If indeed, we don't know. We're just speculating. <laughs> but, you know, bearing in mind that the owner owns one of the largest financial services firms in the entire UK, if not the largest, I would expect their systems and processes to be fairly nailed down. Well, they got absolutely pumped again. Pat Lamb was not happy with the yellow card decisions. I don't think any card decisions would have made a single difference to the result here. So that that's, yeah, I think no. he may he may have a point on the cards, and I think Dan Bigger was very lucky not to not to see some uh, some colourful cards uh, sent his way for some kind of just arms mm. all, to, totally out of control. Uh, so I, I, I kind of sympathise with him on that, but the result was never in doubt. They no. got pumped. Pat Lamb needs to show show some show some contrition and shut up. And he needs to shut about cards. He needs to shut about anything to do with any controversy whatsoever until he starts winning. If he is winning, he can talk about cards all day long. He doesn't have the right to talk about cards. His team are terrible. His team are terrible. And he spends an absolute fortune on these lads. He spends a fortune on the wrong lads. And now he's got to and now he's got to get rid of them. This week has just been another example of Bristol falling down. The contract that they've given him is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, I, I believe I said it. The worst day, the worst day for Pat Lamb in Bristol was the day that he signed that contract. Seven more years of this absolute lunacy. Well, it's great, um, it's great for him because oh yeah, I mean, you know, who's like who's laughing all the way to? I mean, no wonder, no wonder he talks about love so much. <laughs> I mean, with that amount of money, look at look uh, at um, look at uh, Jose Mourinho, who every, every time four or five year deal for five million pounds a year and sees two years out and then gets bought out of his contract. 
That's, that's, yeah. that's, that might be Pat, Pat's play here. Uh, who would buy him? Like, no, no, no um, Bristol pay him to leave. So no, no yes. other clubs maybe coming that, in. Maybe that's it. Because, yeah, look, I'm, uh, yeah, I'll talk about school a little bit. Uh, I, I believe that Bristol are not particularly happy with him. I believe that there's turmoil right at the top as to what do they do with Pat Lam. And there, sh- there should be, five. what are they on, five wins or six wins for the season? Six, I think. Not acceptable. Not even close to being acceptable. Yeah, uh, six, six it, out of 20. It's been a disaster. Absolutely disaster. Now, I don't know what I would do in Bristol's situation because I guess money is not a big deal for Bristol and coaches... Salaries are outside of the outside of the salary cap, so you can fire him. It's not going to have a big deal. Um, sorry, a big a big Im- impact on you. I'm genuinely torn now whether you try give him another season or is the damage just done. No, you of course you do. I don't. Of course you do. What's this? What's this footballification of rugby going on? Just because like, these- calm that he won them the chat. He won them their first ever European, the first ever like major trophy. Yeah, and but, finished top of the Premiership last season. Just like, just just calm down a little bit. You have to show. So you have to show me the mitigating circumstances here. So you've got to say like, okay, he uh, and injuries are not acceptable. Injuries, uh, squad availability, not acceptable because that's how you build your squad. So if you can't get around that, there are none. Um, he's had a bad year, but he's proven he's great. So we'll look to next year. There you go. He's proven Done. that he can win with a better team than everybody else's. But after the salary cap reduction from COVID, this league has got much more competitive. And I think his style has been shown up. And I'm all for trying different styles. I massively respect anyone who decides to go for four forwards, four backs, or you know, focus on attack rather than defence, trying something new. I'm all for that. And it worked for a little while. This year, when the heat has been turned up on him, it has failed miserably. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I'm only disagreeing with the re- being too reactionary and going he's had a bad season therefore you're gone that because mm. that, that, that's that's just, i just i'm not but i'm not into that at all no yeah. but then again you know my the interactions he's had lately um whether it be the tempest stuff or various other things it leads me to think that he's he's not at, you know for all the stuff he says i don't think his character backs it up <clears> and that's in my mind even more damaging you uh, you you leap to Diamond's defence on every indiscretion of his. The man's a saint. The man's a hero to the northwest <laughs> and to the working the working man of Salford. How dare you compare the two? I like Pat Lamb and I like Steve Diamond a lot. Can I, can I just say Diamond never has, has Diamond ever lectured you about love and brotherhood? No, no, but he's no. So he can he's, do what he wants. Um, He's he's tried to he's tried to very much get one over on me uh, in interviews. Yeah, yeah but, that, but like literally, that is his persona. Like he would never tell you, "Look, Tim, I'm not you know, I, Tim, you're my brother. I love you. I would never do that." Like if that was the case, I would I would come down like a ton of bricks on diamond. In fact, I'd come down on a ton of bricks like diamond if he started talking in that way because then he is disingenuous. It's the disingenuous nature of Pat Lamb which really gets me riled up. Because, you know, why is he blaming cards? Control your controllables, Pat. What can you do to control the cards? And yet here he is whinging about it, like like he's a child. Like you've got the the biggest budget, well, the the joint biggest budget with <laughs> with all of the 13 clubs. Uh, <laughs> you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got a great, uh, a great support structure. You've, got, you've had everything you've wanted at Bristol. Don't tell me about cards. I'm not interested. So I I would I'd agree with quite a lot of that as in I 
the whinging about cars and the hypocrisy um, of the love and his actions not displaying his words. Um, let's say that. Agreed. Um, I wouldn't get rid of him immediately. And one of the reasons, Jay, you mentioned that um, he's only won with the best team in the league. He didn't do that with Connacht. Yeah, when, I did the reason. The reason why he got a whatever the figure is, eight hundred thousand pounds or whatever, the, he's he's allegedly the best paid coach in the world or one of the best paid coaches in the world. The reason he's got that is because he achieved something that was totally miraculous in winning the league, uh, whatever it was called then, Pro Fourteen, Pro, 14. Yeah. Pro Sixteen, Rainbow Cup with um, with Connacht, which is an unbelievable achievement. Do you know what you are right? You are hundred percent right on that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And that's a positive point to depart from Bristol and just mm. chuck a bit of phrase Saints' way. We've already said they're back yeah. in the mix and they're fizzing. And Rory Hutchinson, I love seeing him playing how he did two years ago, as he has been for a while now. And that seems to have coincided with Northampton being much more fluent. He is just a Rolls Royce of a player when he's on song. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him, Tim, because I actually forgot about him. And do you know when we were talking about Semi before? And it's not about Semi, but we said, didn't we, he has moments of match, just unbelievable, you know, can do just unbelievable stuff. Well, I think the best bit about Hutchinson is everything he does is so simple, but looks so great. Like, he didn't do anything particularly amazing for either of those tries. It was a break, but it was just so smooth. He makes basic things look amazing. Oh, he, he yeah, it, he will, I, I'd actually almost say it was the other way around, because th- those things, he made them look like they were easy. But yeah. the timing, the timing of his runs, particularly for the first one, for the, for the Collins try, his break off the line out for the Collins try, off, off front ball, off attacking front ball of the line out. Um, that, that, the timing of that run and the angle of that run was absolutely magnificent. He made it look like it was just easy. He was just picking a line, but it was a lot more than that. Yeah, and when he's on song, I think, yeah, that's what I was thinking, actually. It reminded me of actually watching the game now and what I was going through, which is he's amazing with a bit of space. And I wonder if the last couple of years he's not been good at all. Well, not not good at all, but he's not been nearly as effective because it's not that he doesn't have this. It's not that there's not a little bit of space. It's that there is literally no space in premiership defences. Uh, you know, so if you're Saints and you don't really have a running game to get o- o- over the game line, Hutchinson isn't isn't your boy. I would love to see him play behind maybe the Exeter pack of a few years ago, or the Saracens pack right now, or so, or Bath, someone that can get over the game line. Because I think all of a sudden he would be one of the best players in the Premiership if they got the go forward. He, he's got to be looked at back in a, a Scotland shirt the way he's playing. 
Yeah. Whether whether he whether he played twelve for Scotland, whether he played thirteen, whether you I mean he played a game at fifteen, didn't he? Um, yeah. But just just get him get him on the park because he's running is so good. Can he can he stop playing and can Nick Tomkins stop playing for the next three years, please? Just <laughs> for the next World Cup cycle, please. Lads, come on. <laughs> is it that desperate? It's not far off, mate. <laughs> no, Jomo is going to be the boy. Yeah, Jomo is the boy. Just, he's just the boy. Yeah, next World Cup cycle. Yeah. So, uh, well, well done to Northampton. Yeah. Uh, just one thing on Northampton. Something that's really irritating me. Um, the England captain. Uh, we're, we're, we're fond of him on, on, on this podcast. Can we stop talking about the development of his game? Uh, he's the England captain now. There is no more development to be done. Like, we know he's been good. He's been good for, what, four years now? Five More years? than that as well. More. Starting British and Irish Lion only started- nine months ago. Well, uh, and nine months ago and four years ago and four years before that the development is done boys it is done I don't want to hear any more about the development of Courtney Laws he's just a world class player leave it be <laughs> <laughs> he is that uh, love courts yeah um, I, I, I love the uh, Ludlum try as well yes yeah. actually, actually I don't want to moan about Bristol anymore because I think JB you've got that nicely covered you have actually but, but some of their defence for some of the Northampton tries, Lewis Ludlum try included, it was great uh, yak and leg drive from Ludlum. But come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> I, I have a bit of sympathy for that because the commentator said, he's just taken three lads over the over the trial. I was like, but that's what he does. It's inexplicable how he does it, but that is what he does. Like, just the, t- No, t- take his legs. T- tackle low. You can't, I don't you can't. think it's possible. I don't think it's possible. I, I think many people have tried. Like when he's in the 22 and see him stepping back, I, you know there's danger. You just know before it happens, somebody's going to get hurt or run over or you'll run at a certain pace or angle or timing where for whatever, it, for whatever reason it is, you can't touch his legs. I don't know. you just got to take him back. Much like I think what happened to Sam James happens to other players when they see Lewis Ludlam run, which is they just freeze. They freeze in the headlights. And then before you know it, he's on you. Then you've got to make a decision. And the only decision you can do is make you know make a tackle high as he drags you over, over the try line. Try to hold on. Yeah, for dear life. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to jump to a couple of emails just to yeah. segue between games. Christopher Barton's uh, got in touch. Oh, sorry, Nick. Not Christopher Barton at all. Uh, anyway, it's Nick. Uh, contact eggchasers at gmail.com he says I was watching some French rugby on Sunday night Um, I do love that 8pm Sunday kickoff to round off the weekend anyway hot tubs the French were in the ground in hot tubs watching the game I did some googling and found Newcastle once tried it (laughs) bit chillier than it is in France would you you like to watch a game from a hot tub so when I was in when I was in Durban and I watched the Sharks versus the Jaguares there were hot tubs um, behind the Ingall area, uh, definitely on one side. Unfortunately, I didn't get to partake in them. But yeah, of course I'd watch in the hot tub. I mean, I would do everything in a hot tub if I had the choice, really. <laughs> Meetings, christenings. Uh, I mean, christenings actually would be you know, remarkably suitable for hot tubs, bearing in mind what they are. Dual purpose. Dual purpose, yeah. <laughs> holy, holy hot tubs. Holy water hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, the church needs a boost in pop, pop, pop popularity. This could be it. This, this, this could be it. I've got another uh, military-based one here as well. Oh, yes, Ooh. please. Jacob Barr. 
Contact Chasers at gmail.com. He says, hi, gents. Seeing as you enjoy talking about the club game, um, I thought I'd let you know about some interregimental rugby in the army. Yes, um, please. See, Wednesday afternoon sport is always special, whether it was school, university or whatever. Wednesday, there's something special about Wednesday afternoon sport, isn't it? Uh, and the 29 Regiment RLC went away to uh, to one Lanks. Uh, so got on the coach at 8.30 to travel just outside of Chester. A cup quarter final and spirits were high. They dashed early though as one Lanks scored quickly. Um, anyway, it went back and forth. Um, the halftime team talk was honest to say the least and Captain Sergeant Major Corduroy uh, spoke of the team playing uh, team playing our game and restoring some pride the team being able to leave with their heads held high. Um, I'm just scanning through an, an amazing match report. I wish we had time to talk about all of it. Um, 38-34 it was with three minutes to go. 29 RLC gathered the kickoff, marched up the field. And in the last play of the game, what does PTE stand for in military? No idea. But this is how they talk, though. You've got to understand this. They, they talk only in acronyms. Yeah. Well, PTE, whatever that stands for, Bulls... Uh, 29 stone talismanic Fijian center. Crikey. Tw- no, 29's, 29 RLC's talismanic Fijian center. Oh, right. Yes. Not tw- <laughs> 20... <laughs> Thank you, Phil. <laughs> 29 stone center. What? Um, picked, up the, <laughs> picked up the ball from his feet and powered over the line to, for the winning score, sending the 29 RLC bench balmy. A superb game. 39-38. One of the best comebacks he's ever seen. Post-match, the two teams came together for a song in Fijian and a prayer. A truly special occasion and one I will not forget in a hurry. 29 RLC now march into the semi-finals and are hoping another miracle is not required. Timothy, Timothy. So PTE, acronym. Okay, so here are the first four I've got. Yeah. Pearson Test of English. Okay. No. No. Um, Patronus Amtrak Station. Nope. Nope. Post-traumatic epilepsy. Possible. I'm not saying, <laughs> Hopefully I'm not, not. I'm not ruling it out, though. Um, passenger Terminal Expo. Not sure about that one. So 59 more rows. Number five, PTE, private military rank. That there you go. Be- private uh, Bulls of the 29s. A private nice. Bulls scored the winning try, which took them from a 38-22 down to a 39-38 win. Thank you, Lieutenant Jacob Barr. Uh, long-time listener of the pod. Thank you for your service. Congratulations on you on your win. Good luck in the semi-finals. Absolutely. Go well, boys. Um, and also, just um, it's been brought to our attention. Lots of stuff. The Spain thing is rumbling on now. Ooh. Spain, good, Spain's, well, Spain's rugby world cup place in jeopardy. So I would have thought Vladimir Putin had better things to do than this, but <laughs> it seems like they're going to be. It seems like this this thing has got legs, and I, I just don't have a good feeling about it. So is it, I, I've not really followed this story, is it the same mistake again from a headline yes. I think I read? Yes. As in ineligible or potentially ineligible player? Yeah, a brief players. summary from As from Asbel, who is um, a, a listener. Uh, he's a maths teacher living in Cambridge and a Spaniard. Um, mm. Contact Chasers at gmail.com. And um, yeah, he said he's just summarised that World Rugby have started an investigation against Spanish Rugby Union for the eligibility of one of the Spanish players. Mm. It's, it's a major risk for our presence in Spain in the in, in, for Spain in the Rugby World Cup. Is that the Belgium ghost striking again? Do we always need to be on the spot of international uh, rugby in terms of qualification for World Cups? 
that is the, the question all Spanish fans have in their heads at the moment. The, the formal complaint was made by the Romanian rugby union about of course a possible, it was <laughs> <laughs> about a possible uh, breach of rule number eight. That's a regulation about the eligibility of players. And after a deep investigation found uh, about the facts and talked with some people at the clubs to check the match reports, the player definitely is eligible to play for Spain. So, as Bell says. Is, is or isn't? Is, he claims. Oh, God. Hey, can I just go back to military rugby for, uh, for a second? Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. So, let me ask, right, 30th of July, 2022, so 30th of July this year, uh, it is Armed Forces Legends versus Welsh Charity Legends at Plymouth Albion. And uh, I am trying to weasel my way into getting a game for this, but I can't really work out which one I fit into. I definitely can't play for armed forces because that's basically stolen valour. I may as well show up with a fake Victoria Cross if I'm going to do, do, <laughs> do that. And SAS wings. And I don't really want to play for Welsh charity vets, I don't think, because I've not exactly... I mean, it'd be an honour and all the rest of it. I've not exactly been kind to Welsh rugby of, uh, of late. So... I might just have to go down and watch, which would be, upset, which would be upsetting. And who, who do you support? Oh, Armed Forces, I think. Armed Forces. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain. But at Plymouth Albion. More importantly, I can go for a weekend and have a few beers with um, with a couple of friends that I, want to, that I want to catch up with and hopefully go sailing in Newquay as well. Bentos. Exactly, exactly. So it should be good. But talking of which, we may as well get into that now. Uh, guess who won a game this week? Plymouth Albion. Plymouth Albion. Bittersweet against Hugo Watson's very own, I can't remember their name, Tunbridge Wells. Tunbridge Judians. Judians. Yeah, yeah which uh, kind of devastating. Them. They've had a miserable season. I think they're going to be happy for it to end and be able to, re- to, to rebuild again. Now, um, uh, now Richmond got um, handily put to the sword by a very good Ealing side who were cracking the champagne and lifting their trophy still with a very, very faint hope of being in the Premiership next season in the back of their mind. Uh, but uh, even in defeat, guess who scored a try for Richmond? Uh, would it be uh, Mark Bright? Correct. Making it, which kept he maintained his position as the equal top try scorer at the age of 43. And as was pointed out by some of our listeners, um, clearly the Daily Telegraph um, rugby writers listen to the podcast. Uh, because they do. They've started. They've started paying attention to Mark Bright, and there was a lovely piece uh, about the the forty-three-year-old evergreen number eight uh, in, the, in the Telegraph um, this week. Who wrote it? Do you know? Uh, I'd have to check. It wasn't uh, rugby's greatest journalist. Who was Charlie Morgan? No, couldn't say. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, whilst whilst on this, uh, my boys, not your boys, Tim uh, Aylesbury. Uh, smash Thatcham 44-7 uh, which makes them um, unbelievably or quite believably uh, unbeaten at home all year which is cute because Tok H are just unbeaten but you know unbeaten at home is good as well isn't it didn't, didn't you lose to Witness in the cup uh, not in the league though <laughs> so you're unbeaten. You've only unbeaten in the league in the league in the league yeah yeah, yeah. see Aylesbury, I mean, don't, like Aylesbury don't have to add caveats to their home well at home undefeated home record <laughs> apart from the home caveat at home I mean, that's, uh, uh, just let me see what else happened. Uh, yeah. So it looks like to me, Condi and Salem are going to go up into the championship. 
that's going to be pretty cool for Northwest Rugby. I mean, that's Coldy, going to be the Coldy be, Ravers. The Ra- yeah. So I would love a situation where Bath went down and Sale FC went up and Sale FC were the ones beating Bath rather than Sale Sharks. That would fill me with joy. <laughs> and Coldy, actually. But there's going to be a lot of high-level rugby in the Northwest if those two teams teams go up. It, I mean, can, can they both go up? Was it, will it not be one up, one down? It's one up, one down, isn't it? Yeah, it well, is. it's, it's I, one. I think, it's one up, none down because. Uh, uh, yeah, to be honest, I have been sending proposals for well, uh, the promotion, relegation, and whatnot. I've not paid much attention to it. I'll pay attention to it once it actually happens. Yeah, because it's not all sort of they, yeah, they're just proposals at the moment. It's not fixed, is it? Yeah, uh, but Colney only just sweep past uh, only just sweep past Roslyn Park away, who are currently third now, which is why I say I'll you know jump jump up to second, which is mm. pretty pretty cool. Um, sorry, Phil. Essentially, seems to be losing quite a bit of ground in the uh, in National North One or whatever it's called, National North Two, is it National National, National Two North? National yes. Two North is the the game last week narrowly losing. Away at Hull, um, yeah. but but winning, but only just against Chester this week is that that's quite a good result. It is a good result. Mind you, Chester are thoroughly mid table, thoroughly mid table. Yeah. Uh, have you you've not been see such the mind you? Do you know how many points are this course? <laughs> so it's a sixteen team league, so it's not as you know, it's not a huge well, it is an achievement. But do you know how many teams? Uh, how many points are they scored? Uh, I, I don't know. 97? Uh, the third place oh, right. team... points. Oh, I see. Points, as in tries. Points. Oh, tries league, league points. No, 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 no. No, you're, you're right, Tim. Your you're, you're first information was right. The third place team in that league, the third place team, 103 po- three league points. <laughs> Is that Sedgley in third? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of winning this season in a 16-team league. Well... So- it's 16 teams, so that means 30 games, which means they've only played like 25 or 26 games, haven't they? Uh, so they've still got... Five, oh, yeah. yeah, still got five weeks of rugby left. So I've got an interesting little dit for, dit for you. Um, I was talking to the witness lads after we played them last week, right? And one of the things I said is I'm really looking forward to their game against Broughton Park. So Broughton Park used to play Witness, and it's a really good test. It's Broughton Park level six. Witness are in this alternative league structure, which Tok H are in. And I think Witness are a cracking team, and I'd like to see how they went against Broughton Park to see roughly where the levels are. Anyway, Broughton Park pulled out the cup, which I think is abysmal for a club of that state, stature and that, uh, and, and, and that history. But, but, but Worcester that, had their reasons for not playing a premiership game. Totally different. <laughs> um, now, this isn't about Broughton Park. It isn't to me to um, you know be, be derogatory about them. It's about something else, actually, which is the effect of the cup competitions at that level of rugby. So Broughton Park pulled out be- simply because they do not have any free weekends, not for anything malicious. It's not because they want a free weekend or they're going skiing. They just don't have it, any weekends to play it. Uh, now... All the other teams in the Northwest who are sort of like level five, you never see them in cups. And allegedly, the reason you never see them in cups is because, well, they decided not to end, not to enter them in the first place. But if they were to enter them, they wouldn't pay their players to play a cup game, but only in league games. So they don't see the point, point in doing it because they've got this weird semi-pro structure 
You don't see people like Rosendale or I've never seen Sergio Park in a cup. Have you ever played, played, played in a cup, Phil? Yeah, we used to play Lancashire Cup. We won it a few times going going back um, when I was playing. Preston? But- now, I, I haven't actually looked, looked into this any further. And I don't know if this is just uh, people saying things about clubs that pay money because they're bitter that they can't pay money off is true. But anecdotally, I don't remember seeing any of the Northern Premiership teams. Sorry, yeah, the Northern Premiership teams playing uh, like the Level 6 Cup or you know, the Level 5 Cup at all, really. It, it used to, it used to be, if I remember rightly, there used to be kind of two cups, and this is this is going back like ten years. But there used to be a, a cup A and cup B, or a trophy and a plate, or whatever you want to call them. And Sedgley and Preston and Fylde and the others were playing the cup A, Lancashire Cup A, yeah. uh, with only a, be, <laughs> a Liverpool, St Helens, and a few others, um, and then everyone else would play in in the lower cup, the cup B. And remember, yeah, I remember still... like you, you might be looking out for clubs like Stockport and Macclesfield and stuff, but they're in Cheshire. Yeah, exactly. They're Cheshire, not Lancashire. Yeah, so they'd be in the Cheshire Cup. Yes, yeah, so, well, I remember seeing you play Sedgley versus LSH on a Friday night. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, if I think cup competitions at lower league rugby, lower league rugby should be scrapped, or everyone is forced to go into them and has to play them. I don't think there should be a situation where. You know, Top Eight are in two cups this year and it's all the same teams, but the fun of the cup is you play Preston or you play Bottom yeah. Park or you play whoever it is, someone in the league below you. That's the point of the cup. It's not to play the same people in your league over and over again. No, it should be about the stories and the potential giant killing. Yeah. So I think Witness are going to... By the way, I'm sure our worldwide audience cannot wait to hear more about Witness. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, they might get to a cup final after only playing one game, which is just, what is the point? It's been a strange old year. Absolutely. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think this is, this is COVID related. This is just bad administration on cups. Yeah, let's not go too much further into witness before we've mentioned (laughs) Harlequins and London Irish, for example. (laughs) This was a, this was a good fun game. Not one to take too seriously, but a good fun game. Unfortunately, London Irish should have taken it more seriously. Yeah, I've been talking about these last two weeks at the Brentford Community Stadium for about three months. I've been saying, oh, Paddy's Day and then their big derby day against Quinns when the weather's good and the grounds are firm. These are going to be ones you need to get down there. I'm glad I didn't take my own advice. Yeah. As someone who's slightly partial to London Irish, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Quinns fan going there, brilliant. I'm sure the atmosphere in general was great, but London Irish, what's happened? Total implosion. Total implosion. Or is it an explosion? Which, which, which way do you think that London Irish have gone here? Well, London Irish, they played some nice stuff and the bounce of the ball or... The, to, they dropped the ball over the line twice. Curtis Rooner gets held up on, over the line when he, he only has to beat Danny Kerr. And Curtis Rooner also, I'm, I was sure he was going in at the corner when he had to beat Esther Hazen into the corner. And he checked his run, presumably because Esther Hazen was going to get him. I was sure, I was certain he would have had the legs for that. But there's there are four tries, three that definitely should have been scored. The two knock, balls knocked over the line, one from each winger. They, that should be 14 points. Curtis Runner should have gone over when Danny Kerr made an amazing tackle and he was then held up. That's that's 21 points. 
They, th- this could have been a totally, totally different game. Yeah, I'm not sure it could be a to- totally different game, to be honest. Um, I just don't think 14-41 lends itself to that. Uh, London Irish, at the start of the season, I'm pretty sure I said are oh, the worst coach team in the league because they don't seem... I mean, they seem to be rubbish at, stru- at stretch of rugby. And then they'd get a bit loose and they'd score a few tries and they had a few good... They didn't have many wins early doors, but they had a few draws against noticeable, noticeable teams. And then about three or four games ago, they seemed to really hit their stride. All the big players were playing well. Their pack looked formidable. You know, the big money guys who played... Actually, did the locks play? Let me just check. Did the locks play? Simmons, George Knox. No, not both of them did. So that's, that's always my sort of benchmark as will London London Irish do well or the two big locks playing if they are they've got a chance and they seem to thrive on this you know organs blazing attacking unstructured type type rugby and then they seem to have gone backwards again they they started terribly they got quite good and now they seem to have gone back to what they were in at the beginning of the season it's never far off uh, from that to that like you said it can be a confidence thing or whatever but they're now unbelievably in danger of not even being in the top eight quite legitimately wasps are very well placed to nick eighth spot off of london irish which would suddenly turn that i mean that that would change the complexion of london london irish season we've even been saying in recent weeks well even if they don't make the top four they'll be able to look at it and think we're in the right direction Mm. they finished ninth and you're back towards thinking what a disappointing season for london irish which just goes to show how how tight the margins are but yeah the wheels have just come off mm. yeah it's pretty um, yeah it's pretty ominous for Irish well, the, uh, on, on Irish on, on their performance be- sorry um, I'm just going to say on the performance there was there were some lovely moments from um, Paddy Jackson and the guys outside him some which resulted in tries some which resulted in balls being knocked over the line the frustration from Irish will be giving so many penalties away, particularly around the rook and not looking after their ball. And guys like Esther Hazen and uh, Don Brandt, who are both excellent over the ball, just stealing at will or stealing and or winning penalties at will. Yeah. Uh, I just, I've spoken a lot about Irish. I have been very impressed with the Harlequins of them. Mm. They look that- great. Um, let me just see who got more tries today. Was it Caden Murley or was it Lewis Liner? Hmm. <laughs> and yes, I do know he didn't play. Caden Murley one try. Oh, Lewis Liner got subbed. So looks like again Caden Murley wins. Uh, Liner came on uh, late on. Oh, I think, and then came off again for Northmore. Yeah, he came on early doors for Northmore, but then came back on for someone else later. Might might have even been Murley. Yeah, so the latest victory for Caden Murley over Lewis Liner again <laughs> in that on-running battle. It's, it's mad, isn't it? It's all about peaking at the right time because Quinns were having a wobble not so long ago and they're, like you say, coming into form. And Northampton, we thought, were out of it and are now very much back in it. Yeah, it, yeah. it is the, the strength of the league. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's weird that, you know, I said before, didn't I, but when I was going off on... Palam as saying, you know, he's got the wrong, he's got the wrong system for the wrong league, and it's showing him up. It's probably not that much different to what Harlequins are trying to do, but they're getting, it, they're getting it right. And Small differences. Yeah, and Quinns, um, 
They're they're nine. Uh, sorry, not their nines. They're, they've got one amazing nine who is one of the best nines in the world at the moment. I think Healy said he's the second best behind Dupont at the moment. The way he's playing. Oh, did you see the Dupont? Well, it's oh, not his it's just outrageous. The try. Yeah, the guy's outrageous. Ludicrous. Let me make a break, then lie motionless underneath the ruck for at least at least 10 seconds. More, yeah, 20, 20 plus seconds. Get up, look dizzy, make one pass, and then cross field kick it to score. Yeah. Ridiculous. He's a ridiculous but human. The um the Quinns thing is that the way that they're set up, so obviously everything is Marcus Smith. Everything goes through Marcus Smith until Marcus Smith is either either subbed or playing for England or unavailable. And then whoever it is, be it Tommaso Allen or this week, Will Edwards, and they just look, they just, the team is set up in a way that whoever comes in can do the same thing. Like the, the Will Edwards pass for, was it Hugh Jones to score late on? It was straight out of the, it was almost identical actually to the uh, Marcus Smith pass for Caden Murley's try. Just, just time it right. So you just loop over the the wingers' fingertips. You suck in the wingers so they think they can get an intercept. But as they go for it and leave the space outside, they realise they can't and your winger walks in. Yeah. Brilliant. uh, And also, just on Harlequins, some smart signings. I mean, I'm looking through actually who scored. Jack Walker scoring two tries. I thought one of the biggest mistakes they made was letting uh, Scott Baldwin walk. And it would turn out, I mean, I think uh, you know, Scott Baldwin was brilliant last year, but this year he's obviously left Worcester for personal reasons or whatnot. Those personal reasons would have been in existence whether he was at Worcester or, or at Harlequins. It turns out letting him go and bringing in Jack Walker, who came with quite a good reputation before coming to Bath, where reputations go to die, seems to have relaunched his career. He, he looks great. Yeah, he, which he was, I mean, I, that, that's I, I don't know what it is about hookers, but um, I, I get things about hookers, and I, I've, I've been telling you about Jack Walker for donkeys. Yeah, well, he was, yeah, he's very, very good. He was England under twenties captain, wasn't he? When they won the World Cup with <laughs> with that team with uh, with Harry Malinder and uh, um, I'm forgetting all the players that were in it now. All of them, basically, Tim. All of them, yeah. were in it. It's a very, very good team. Yeah, so. I wonder if that has affected him really, because if you were England under 21's captain and a hooker, presumably you're just waiting for your next big contract. Like, you, I wonder if you even think you need to prove it anymore. And then you get senior rugby, and all of a sudden it's a massive shock because nobody's beating you up in the front row. Ooh, I've, I've got the team here, although I've only got last names of the team. But do you want me to read it out, or do you want to have a few guesses? Let's have, let's have yeah. a couple of guesses. Let's have a couple of guesses. Um... So Joe, Mar- Joe Marchant. Uh, Joe Marchant yeah. is in there, 13, yes. Yeah. Very good. Was okay. Harry Mallander. Harry Mallander was 10. Yeah, correct. Randall. There was, there was that lad who no went Randall. to... Who, there was that oh, yeah, court. sorry. Sorry, JB, Randall on the bench. Oh, nice. I'm aware. There um, was that lad who was... Um, he was a winger for Quinns and then he went to... I think he might have gone to Leicester and he had a double-barreled name and it was yes. an A. A was... Uh, as, as, Aspel, Aspinall, no. Correct. Uh, Aspel Robinson. Aspel and Robinson. Yeah. Aspel and Robinson, that's the one. Very good. I don't even remember him. Well done, Tim. Uh, uh, it's, like you were, it's almost like you were matching out single or something. <laughs> almost. I, I might have been. Uh, oh, no, I, wasn't, I wasn't at the final, but I was, I was doing the ones at the City Stadium, not the ones at the AJ Bell. Um, 
Will Stewart? Bit young, maybe. Uh, no, uh, Will Stewart. So I've only got this is on World Rugby's website. They only give last names, but Stewart is the tight head prop on the bench. So I'm going to assume that is Will Stewart. It'd be amazing if it if it isn't. Um, what about everyone's <clears throat> favourite player, Charlie Yules? Uh No. No, interesting. <laughs> no, no, not Charlie Ulls. Uh, no, Charlie Ulls. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he. I'm sure he captained a different England under twenty team. It, it would stack up if he did. I don't know how it happened, but it would stack up. Johnny Hill. Uh, nope. Um, um, oh. Nick Azikwe. Oh, nice. No, nope. oh, Max Malins. Malins was playing fifteen. Yeah. Very, very 15 awesome. and they, they played Ireland in the final and Stockers was his opposite number oh I like it um, yeah it's hard to get a sort of this age rate what about um, okay so uh, Mitchell Mitchell the scrum half nope oh um, the number 8 was Callum Chick correct very yeah. good um, Dingwell? No. I think Dingwell's probably... Uh, Will Evans? Will Evans. Well, Evans was playing seven. So, again, I I will assume that is Will Evans. Could be wrong. I'm running out of road now. Yeah, I don't know. So, I'll I'll read the ones you've not got. So, uh, Boyce, assume Lewis Boyce. Boyce, Number one. Singleton, assume Jack. Yeah. Uh, which which means that Walker was playing three. So Jack Walker was playing tight head prop. Wow. Oh, interesting. Swim, swim for Rua. Love that. Yeah. I've never seen him do that in a well, um, professional well, Just Just on that, game. on your thing, um, George Kloska, if you remember him for the Bristol hooker who got uh, man of the match on his debut in the premiership, he's converting to tight head prop. And he mm. played tight head prop the other night. Anyway. Uh, second rows were South and Taylor. Oh, uh, Harry, was it St- Stan South? or Harry? Stan South, yeah. Stan South Harlequins. Oh, nice. And what was the other one? Taylor. 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 Not sure. Don't know. Nope. Uh, back row, you've mentioned two of them, Will Evans and Callum Chick, with George Knott at six. Uh, wow. So I did know George Knott. Mm. Uh, you know nine, nine and ten. Green at nine. Oh, um, uh, Max Green, uh, Leeds Carnegie, and then out Bath. Okay. Malander at 10. Uh, centres, Williams, which I assume is Johnny Williams, and Marchant with Asp- Aspland Robinson, Matt Gallagher, I assume, at uh, 11, and Max Malins at 15. What happened to Matt Gallagher? He's he gone went to, to Yeah, he went to Munster, didn't he? Yeah. Tell you what, that is not a great team. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, and then the bench, Piper, as the substitute hooker. West, which I assume is Ben West. Yeah. Will Stewart. One of the it's Kitcheners. Not West. <laughs> great family. Uh, Kitchener's great family. A Willis, which is probably Jack. Randall. And then probably Max Max Wright and Ollie Thorley. Yeah. Well, actually, you just mentioned name there. And I think I want to talk about them. Go on. Uh, well, this is Gloss's loss. Uh, Gloss's all... Well, 
what seems to be on face a horrendous loss against Wasps. And you touched on it at the start, the start of the podcast that this should be something that a game that uh, Gloucester should win. And I agree with you. Uh, you know, if Gloucester really wants to take top four seriously, they've got to beat Wasps at home. That's what I thought until I read the Wasps pack. So West, um, Gab- uh, Gabriel, how do I say his name? Ogre. Ogre. Uh, uh, Allo, but then it goes Launchbury, Stuke, Shields, Willis, Alfie Barbary. And I think, yeah, that's serious, actually. And Beater and, Beater and Tom Willis on the bench. Yeah. It's a handy pack, that. And, and they scored a pushover try, which, mm-hmm. is, which is Gloucester's thing this year. Mm. And yeah. they, they almost scored another, which allowed uh, Robson to feed Atkinson for his try. So they, surprisingly, Gloucester didn't have it all their own way up front, which, no. which well, got, got Wasps the win. I would say Wasps might have the biggest gap between their absolute best team and their average team, if that makes sense. So you take a few guys out there. You, know, you add Launchbury and Willis and Barbary into any pack and you're cooking with gas. I mean, they are such high-quality operators. So it doesn't surprise me that much when I look at the you know look look at the names involved that they won. Now that is to leave what I believe is one of the best forwards in the entire Premiership on the bench, which is Fafita. I think Fafita is a marvelous player. Now you add them all into the mix on their day, they can almost beat anyone. Fafita's are out um, off at the end of the year, but then if you take this pack and then get rid of. Uh, um, Allo and replace him with Vincent Koch. Bloody hell! Yeah, if they if they get the right bounce of injuries and whatnot, they can they can go very very far. There's a lot of other clubs that would quite happily have. Go, oh, can we have Tom Willis and Thomas Young to start in our back row, please? Yes, they would. Yes, they would. Uh, I don't even think Thomas Young made the team. Uh, no, is he still injured? He, may, I think he may be injured. But yeah, but re- regardless, they've got high quality players. Outside, yeah. of the, uh, they can't even get in the fifteen. Semi Radranda, um, better or worse than Fekatoa? Um This season, well, actually, Fekatoa has not played this season. Um, um, Fekatoa is best, or, or Semi at his best. Semi, I'd have Semi. Get no, not even close. That'd be a great twelve. That'd be a great twelve thirteen. That'd be a great twelve and thirteen combo. Right. So you've got choice of two Fekatoas, the current vintage Fekatoa who atomizes people for fun and is okay going forward, or the young Fakatoa who could run from any point in the pitch and score a try. No, not having it. Not having this one bit. Fakatoa. I mean, that you're spoiled for choice. That's two incredible, incredible players. If you pick them at their very best, they're both world-beating. And, and Fakatoa, you, you've just described the two incarnations of Fakatoa. Randrandra at his best had both of those. I don't, I disagree, completely disagree. <laughs> the, the only person I would like to see play against this Fakatoa is the old Fakatoa. I wonder if you could catch him. I wonder if you could smash him. He um, knows the, all his tricks and they know each, and they know each other's tricks. So both of them. The, the only person you've got to ask is um, of, as to who's the better player at their peak is their bank managers. <laughs> there is one metric that never lies. <laughs> Although... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Fakatoa... What, where's Fakatoa been? Too long? As yes. has Semi. 
I bet they both came over for some big money because Bakatawa came to replace Curly Beale, did he not? Uh, who replaced Curly Beale? No, because Willie LaRue replaced Curly yeah. Beale. Did Fakatoa replace... Well, I think it's both. safe to say they both came over for a lot of money. I think we can, we, we can agree that, whoever they came for, regardless. Yes. Actually, yes. I reckon Bordeaux were fairly generous with, with Semi's last pay packet. Uh, to, to prize him away from uh, Toulon, <laughs> they might yeah. have been. They might be surprised away from Bordeaux, mustn't have been easy. Yeah. And then, so the question remains, though, if Semi needs to leave Bristol, does Fakatoa get paid more in Munster or Fakatoa more in the top 14? Because I bet the Munster offer is enormous. It, it would have to be. Yeah. God. Everything about this. I bet everything. I, the, the, the bank matchup is more interesting than the matchup matchup. <laughs> I'm going to make a suggestion. We, we wrap up with the fixtures and then we have a separate women-focused uh, quick podcast. Yeah, okay. Let's do that. So fixtures, um, fixtures next weekend. We're into Europe, aren't we? Yeah, so um, Bristol lose. I've got that one nailed down. Um, I don't really know the others. Because I can comment on the English teams. I so it's the, round, like... it's the round of 16. Yeah, so I guess let's beat Connacht. I guess, I don't know about La Rochelle Bordeaux. No idea. Sale should beat Bristol Bears comfortably. Um, to lose are you Ulster. going through uh, are, you, are you going through let, let's go through so on the Friday night you've got uh, yep Connacht Connacht Leinster in leg one the, the ch- yeah the challenge cut brief Saracens Edinburgh pow 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 pow, pow there. that's fine be be better and then we'll talk about you in the Champions Cup but Connacht mm. Leinster uh, is the fair on Friday night um, on to Bordeaux La Rochelle like you say Sale Bristol how do you see that one going I see Sale. This is Sale's realistically their last chance for silverware. And you've got to remember, they've got some pedigree in Europe because they only lost against finalist La Rochelle. Not because they were out-muscled, because they were out-emotioned. So <laughs> providing they get their emotion right, I, I can't see any reason they don't breeze to the final. So an emotionally stable Sale should batter Bristol Bears, who are full two, of love, but not just it's two yes. legs, which this is this is odd in rugby. I'm not. I'm not a fan. Yeah, of, I don't like it. I don't think it works well for rugby at all. Actually, no, no, because you could have one horrific load of weather, six three, and then win. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm just not. I'm really not a fan. Um, yeah. You, you, by the way, said you're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. There can be two different styles of game, can't, can't, can't they? Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. It's just yeah. not the sport. It's not the sport with all that. Yeah, I just, I just don't like it. Uh, Sale v Bristol. So I, I say home win for that one. Yeah, hundred percent. But the leg, but it's the leg thing, so it doesn't matter too much. We're sort of, it's more interesting to talk about what's going to happen next weekend. Toulouse Ulster, Phil. Oh my boys, who've been having a tough time. They've, they've the preparation for this game has been two weeks or um, more than two weeks in South Africa. Um, which is not ideal preparation when you get marmalized by uh, who was it last week? It was Stormers last week, Stormers and last then week. Bulls this week. With an, the, the, that Bulls pack, that Bulls back row was absolutely monstrous. When uh, when Marcel Kurtzier is your open side flanker, you, you, know, <laughs> you know it's a monstrous pack. Yeah, <laughs> um, the smaller of the three. Yeah, exactly. So they've just, but this this is what. This two-legged thing is all about. Ulster have just got to go and hang in there. 
Yeah, just just hang in there because like try, trying to have have to make a big comeback against Toulouse at Ravenhill, you do not want that. No, um, I think I think they can get something out of this game. I think they can get enough to make it at least interesting when it goes to Ravenhill. Mm. I really hope, I really hope they do. But that said, probably Dupont will score ten tries and assist five, um, so <laughs> it might That's be all bucket. over. Um, the, the evening kickoff, you got uh, Stad against Racing, little Paris derby there will be pretty tasty. And um, I, I'm going to be at Exeter Munster. I'm so excited. Nice. I, I said I said when these fixtures came out, I said if I could pick a game to be at, it'd be Exeter Munster. I'm buzzing about that. Awesome. That's an awesome fixture. That's a brilliant so fixture. It's great. Works. The fans, teams, styles. Yeah, this is a pure European cup. But yeah, I actually do want to see this one over two legs. Genuinely, I do. I, I kind of with you on that. Yeah, yeah. this one. Works. The, the other game that will be a, the other game that will be a great one that we kind of skipped over Bordeaux La Rochelle. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that will be a great game. That's West huge. West Coast of France, not not a million miles away from each other, and they've both on this uh, upward trajectory over the last few years, um, that, and they've both got absolutely monstrous experienced packs as well. That will be a nice game. It will. Uh, in the Challenge Cup, uh, Biritz, Toulon, Newcastle, Zebra, Benetton, Perpignan, Dragons, Gloucester. Uh, and then on to Sunday, where it's Montpellier, Harlequins, and Claremont, I feel I've Leicester. seen that game before. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that game before. I know what you mean. That was the Botica ball, wasn't it? Oh, yes. It was. When the loser gets Ben Botica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh and Claremont Leicester, that's that's pretty tasty. Not quite as tasty as it once would have been. Claremont well, aren't the team they were, but at Claremont that, are, that atmosphere alone will be great. Yeah, Claremont aren't the team they once were, but the resurgence of Leicester means that they are well, they're, they're worthy of being there. I think it's gonna be a very, very well balanced game. Mm. I'm going for Leicester. Mm, yeah, I, th- I think give, Leicester. Give me Leicester. Mm, right, excellent. Then, right, there's the European Cup next week. Uh, right, do so yes, we're, we're going to do a, a separate podcast, uh, women's rugby focus, with a review of that documentary. Um, so uh, we'll see you on that one. Hit subscribe in your podcast if you got to this point. You clearly have either nothing better to do or actually quite like the podcast. So uh, if we've earned your subscription, that'd be fantastic. If we've earned a five star review from you, that would be brilliant. Uh, if you want to support us even more than that, then patreon.com forward slash egg chasers and let the boys play. That works fine. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 